0: This is Gramercy, the podcast that highlights the stories of those who live and work on the margins of society. I'm your host, Corey Malad. Thank you for coming on this journey with me. Welcome to season one. This season highlights the stories of immigrants and refugees from all around the world, as well as some organizations that work with and for these beautiful people. My guest today will melt your heart. He did mine. He is such a kind, humble, gentle, soft-spoken, caring person. His name is Idris Siot and he is from Kenya. He is on the path to one day achieving his dream of becoming an immigration lawyer. Although Idris is from Kenya, his roots are Somali. Through the course of research for this episode, I learned that Somali people occupy all of Somalia, Somaliland, the northern part of Djibouti, northwestern Kenya, and the Ogaden region of Ethiopia. Somalis practice Islam, which has been an integral part of society for 14 centuries. I can't even comprehend how long that is. It is a major influence in their daily lives, as you will hear from Idris's story. I love how I never know where my conversations will go with each of my guests. Although I have questions prepared ahead of time, I love staying open to the flow of conversation that happens organically. That was definitely the case during my time with Idris. In today's episode, Idris explains in detail the religious education children in his community receive. He speaks with such appreciation and adoration of this training that I gained a whole new admiration for something I previously knew nothing about. We also tackle the importance of education and being kind to strangers. I love seeing the world through Idris's eyes.
1: Would you mind
0: telling us where you're originally from, what your age is, and how long you've lived in the US?
1: Well, I am from Kenya. Uh, a country in east africa which has a uh, coastline line on indian ocean um, i was raised in in a county one of county in kenya called garissa um, that's where i grew up that's where i went to my elementary school middle school and part of my high school so that's where I actually grew up.
0: And um, are your parents both from Kenya?
1: Well, my, my dad's from Kenya and my dad and my mom's from Somalia. Okay. Yes, my dad is uh, a Kenyan born. A Kenyan born and my mom is uh, Somali born. Okay. Right.
0: Kenyan born Somali or just Kenyan born Kenyan? Um, Somali. Kenyan born mm-hmm. Somali. Okay. Are you an immigrant, a refugee, or an asylee?
1: I am an immigrant. An immigrant. Right.
0: Tell me what it was like growing up in your village or oh. your town or your city.
1: Oh, back home? Yeah, back home. Wow. Um, well, um, it was so fantastic. Um, I really liked how I grew up back then. Um, I grew up with my mates or I, what I call my friends. um, um I mean, I went I mean in in where I came from, um is a, a Muslim based community, mm-hmm. um not like where I live right now, mm-hmm. um there was no uh, diversity if I may say, mm-hmm. most of them were Somalis, um who usually live in the northern Kenya Garissa, um, um well as you know we we undergo. Um, elementary school, but right before we start uh, our elementary school or kindergarten, um, we usually go to what we call Duxi. Duxi is where we learn the Quran yeah. and part of the the Quran, the faith, uh-huh. that's where we learn. And when we learn some of our Quran, it's when we go to elementary or kindergarten school. So
0: how old were you when you started going to Duxi?
1: Duxi, um, I was... Uh, I'll say four years old. Four years old to right. already
0: start memorizing right. the Quran. Memorizing
1: the Holy Quran. That and is then incredible. we start, Right. And then we started from the, from the basic and then going, you know, up.
0: Wow. Right. I'm actually very impressed. I can't imagine four-year-olds around here <laughs> sitting still enough to memorize. And right. then a holy book on top of
1: that. Of course. Going to church and, you know, memorizing the Holy Bible. Mm-hmm. You know.
0: Wow. <laughs> it's very
1: rare. I,
0: right. I'm already in awe of you. Um, so from what I remember from another gentleman I interviewed, he mm-hmm. said that the Quran is in Arabic, correct? It's, yes. So Quran you have to memorize the Quran in, in Arabic.
1: Arabic. Yeah. The Quran is written in Arabic. And, you know, that's how we memorize. It's never written in, in, in any other language. You know, yeah, you know, wow. when we say, when we talk about translation, is that when they translate in other Languages, you know, Quran was revealed in Arabic, mm-hmm. so and that's how I was taught in Arabic, never in my first language.
0: What is your first language, and how many languages do you speak?
1: Well, my first language is Somali, uh-huh. uh, my second language is Swahili, and well, I will, I will say my second language are you know, Swahili and English,
0: Swahili and English, yes,
1: that's what they taught me in school,
0: and so you went to learn. The Holy Quran at four years old, not knowing any Arabic.
1: No, So you Arabic. have to learn <laughs> yeah, exactly. a new language in right. order to memorize. Right, the Quran. right. I mean, that blows and then, my mind. <laughs> and, and then um, some of the um, Muslim people, they usually take their kids to where where we call uh, madrasa. And Madrasa and Duxi are, you know, different. Duxi is where we learn the Holy Quran, and Madrasa is where we learn Arabic, you know. Oh, okay. Right. But I was taken to Duxi before I was taken to Madrasa. I think I went to Madrasa when I was um, 12 years old. Mm-hmm. That's when I went to Madrasa. But I was first taken to Duxi and learned the Holy Quran. And then after that, I was taken to kindergarten and then elementary, and then that's how. It goes.
0: And you said that in starting in elementary school, you learned Swahili and English at the same time.
1: Right, yeah. They, they teach um, Swahili and English in the school. Mm-hmm. So they offer five subjects and one Arabic class in the school. Mm-hmm. So one subject is Swahili and one subject is Arabic. And then the other four subjects, they, they offer in English.
0: You know, that is something I just love that a lot of other cultures do, and we just not, are not good at it here in the United States. We, are, we do not require languages at very young ages, and I think children would be better served by learning right. the language at such a young age.
1: Right. When I came here, everyone was like, hey, how come you speak English? How did you learn English? and I was like come on man english grammar. doesn't everybody right <laughs> yeah. i was taught english in kindergarten you mm-hmm. know elementary come all the way high school mm-hmm. that's what i was taught i mean english something that i was taught when i was very young english and swahili and then arabic i was taught in duxi and i went to madrasa for arabic even uh-huh. though i didn't i didn't complete i didn't finalize my arabic my madrasa because um, i left kenya came to uh, america right before i finalized madrasa and oh. that's where, you know, my in fish in of language, Arabic language comes from. And so
0: you memorized the Quran in Arabic without knowing what it meant when you were memorizing it because you hadn't gone to the other school to learn right. Arabic?
1: Usually when you learn the Holy the Quran in Arabic, you just memorize the Quran and learn the Quran. After that, you go to madrasa and then they will teach you the meaning of the Quran. Incredible. That's how, yes, that's how it goes. They will teach you the meaning of the Qur'an. Um, where they call in Arabic, Tafsir, literally means translation. They translate the Holy Qur'an um, either into first language mm-hmm. or a language mm-hmm. that you prefer. Mm-hmm. And then that's how they teach the meaning of the Qur'an. But first, you have to learn the Qur'an without knowing the meaning. Mm-hmm. You, know? you just you just have to memorize and then later go to Madras and then. Wow. Even in dux the Sheikh sometimes, you know, over evening classes for just translation. He translates the Quran into first language so that all, you know, students can uh-huh. understand what it means.
0: As a teacher, I'm sitting here thinking about this in a, a completely different way. Right. As right, a parent, right. as an American. Like there's so many different filters. I'm processing this through. And I'm really in awe of this process, I had never known. This is what all Muslim children right. do.
1: Right. It takes to memorize the whole Quran. It takes time to memorize the Holy Quran. You may memorize the whole Quran until when you are eight or nine years old, um, but right starting from when you are four to five years old, it takes time. You know, to memorize the whole Quran. It may take three, four, five, six years. Um, here's a funny thing. There was this uh, scholar, this this big sheikh. Um, he memorized the Quran, the whole Quran, when he was six years old, like 114 chapters of the Holy Quran. Six he memorized. years. Yes, yeah. he was six years old, and may he still rest in peace. He died. You know, he was giving a brief um, story about how he learned the Quran. Six years old. We say is, I mean. It's not possible. We say it's <laughs> yeah. impossible. But yeah. nothing is impossible. Everything is possible. No. You know, six years old. I mean wow. memorizing one hundred and fourteen chapters with the whole Quran. I mean that's incredible. That is incredible. It that's is.
0: that's something that people could aspire to, right? Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Um and so you said, um, you told me earlier that your sister was, was the oldest, right. so are you I'm the, the second? second? I'm the second. right? Okay. And you have, um, you said, four brothers? Um,
1: I have four brothers, one sister. One sister. Right. And, um, including me, four brothers, including me, and one Including
0: sister, you. Yeah. Okay, so your parents had five children. I had five children. Okay. Correct. And um, do you know the circumstances that caused them to choose to move to the United States?
1: Right. My mother have been living us for for almost 12 years without her children when my mom left me or left our family i I think i was like eight years old it was 2006 i was i was too young and you know living without your mom is the most you know toughest hard thing in life you know without a mom right but the good thing is that i i was raised by my grandma whom i refer as my own mom mm
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh,
1: she raised us, but my mom, she was helping the family. You know, trace the to raise food on the table to get the daily bread. Um, and you know, I cannot say we were fortunate. You know, back then, you know, getting you know the food on the table, paying my dad paying the school fees. Mm-hmm. We were not rich family. Mm-hmm. I was. I'm not hailing from a rich family. So, um, actually, when my mom left to America. That's when, you know, our life all of a sudden started changing. You know, we we came out of poor and, you know, we started, you know, building two house roofs. um wow. Yeah, I mean...
0: So the money helped, but you um, missed uh, that relationship. Right,
1: right. Even though, I I mean, I feel like I'm with my sister now. Mm-hmm. Like, I never, you know, she never raised me. Like, my grandma is whom I mm-hmm. actually see as an actual mom. Mm-hmm. But my, my mom... she I mean, I feel like as if she's like my sister, you know, wow. because she never raised me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. My grandma raised me, and you know, that's. A what I'm, a
0: nice grandma you. Right.
1: Have. She is. I wow. mean, she's she's in nineties now, very old, real mister.
0: Now, how many children did your grandmother have?
1: Um, she had a lot of children, but most of them they died. Oh, I'm um, sorry. She has two of them now. My dad and my aunt. Who actually, she lives. She lives with my aunt as of this time
0: i would i noticed that when um, i was teaching Mm -hmm. i always felt bad when we got to the unit on families and i had to ask a lot of my refugee students um so how many siblings do you have how many brothers or how many children that was always a tough unit because like you just said with your grandmother Mm -hmm. well i had 10 brothers and sisters but now i have one or Oh, that was just heartbreaking for right. me. Like, what do you say? <laughs>
1: I mean, it's funny. My grandma had um, had several children, almost twelve of them, um, and they all died. You know, I remember one of whom. You know, my dad told me a story about you know his brother. Mm-hmm. He was serving as a policeman in the uh, the country, and um, he got killed by you know by enemies. Um, like, right. And the other one died out of drought, you know, he couldn't get water to drink, and he died all of a sudden, you know. Such
0: a simple thing.
1: Right, yeah. So oh. he, t- he told me a brief story about that, and I have no idea about the other children. But, yeah, as mm-hmm. of this time, mm-hmm. it's only my aunt and my dad. And my aunt, is taking care of my grandma now in, in Kenya, mm-hmm. right? And um, it's not like America where, you know, you know, when parents or elderly people get too old... They take to. Or um, that's where they live. They don't usually live with their. Yes, yeah, somebody takes and,
0: them to a special home a special for elderly home. people, right. or they live on their
1: own. Right, yeah. right, but that's a different from, from our culture. Mm-hmm. You know, we usually we say, if you are staying with your mom or you're taking care of your parents, one of I mean both of your parents, you are getting their blessings. Mm-hmm. That's what we believe. So.
0: Cool. Right. I, I like that about mm-hmm. um, a lot of cultures. They put a lot more emphasis on respecting right. the elders mm-hmm. and um, taking care of them. Right. That's something we could certainly learn
1: from. For sure.
0: <laughs> For sure. I didn't catch your age. How old did you say you I were? I said
1: I'm 22 years old.
0: You're 22 years, years old. old.
1: Right. Wow.
0: And um, you have been here for three years, For three
1: years, right, correct. I've been here for three years. I came here 2017 July, 23rd.
0: Um, And so what was that like when you first got here? Like, did you even want to move or were you happy where you were? Like, I'm sure there were a lot mixed, a lot of mixed emotions.
1: Right. I mean, leaving friends and family back home was very, you know, tough. Um, it could put one into tears I mean, it was tough to leave my grandma um, say the last goodbye to her even though it wasn't the last one I'm hoping to visit her sometime in the future mm-hmm. um, if she doesn't take her last breath mm-hmm. um, um, and coming to America I really wanted to come to America and reunite with my mom see my mom, live with my mom mm-hmm. uh, and you know, I had a different story about America I always thought, you know like, you know, the mass media, you know, gives a different story about America, where, you know, it's a first-class country. Mm-hmm. You know, they deserve the credit, you know. Mm-hmm. A yeah, very developed country from where I came from. Um, and, you know, I really wanted to come to America.
0: So did you have some culture shock when you got here?
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: what kind? What, what were some of the big ones that just blew you away?
1: Um, one of the things when we usually wake up, I used to see my friends, you know, say hi to my friends. Um in America, you know, everyone is in their house, you know. Mm. They don't, you know, interact, come together. Mhm. Uh, it was different, you know.
0: Mhm. We're not as communal.
1: Absolutely. We're
0: much more individual. Right,
1: right. Aren't we? That's what I mean. Right. Yeah. So that was one of them. Mhm. And I mean the other thing is that you know back home we used to hear the adhan. The adhan is a sound that they usually display when you know it's a time of prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, um, one of a one of the guys you know just takes the stand and you know, read the Adam, You know, mm-hmm. calls the people to prayers mm-hmm. in loud, in mm-hmm. speakers. You know, out of the room, and we so that can be heard. You know, from corner to corner. You know, there's nothing here. That know?
0: must be weird being I, used to hearing that for. 18 years 18 and then all of a sudden, sudden
1: you can't there's a
0: sa- you're missing right. a major sound a from major your life. sound
1: right you are sleeping at the middle of the night and all of a sudden you hear the first Adam which you know you know calls for prayer uh-huh. or when it's almost the morning time you know the Fejur, the the Fajr prayers you know you can when you're in, in a in a sound sleep you hear the adam but here no you know yeah that's the mm-hmm. that's the things that I have I've really missed it you know, that yeah, that's like a yet. rhythm
0: of, of life, rhythm of days.
1: Absolutely.
0: That's got to be really hard Right, adjustment. and then
1: they pray five times a day,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. five times a day, mm. right.
0: So when you were moving to the United States, did you have an idea in your mind of what it was going to be like? You had seen American TV. You had these ideas of when I move to America, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Was it that way?
1: Right. Um, my first dream was when I come to America. Um, I will imagine that you know. I've imagined that you know. I will have a um, a good life. You know, I mean, a white collar job. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though I was you know finalizing my high school when I was coming from there, mm-hmm. uh, they told me that you know, oh America, it's all about you know the education is based on age. If you are eighteen years old, you will be in college. If you are, you know, there's nothing like that in Kenya. Really? You know, yeah, there's no limitation on education. You will you will see a twenty two year old, twenty two year old sitting in middle school.
0: Wow.
1: Right. So that's, it's
0: just when you are able to get to school, right. you go to school, right. whatever level.
1: Right. Education should be open to everyone, regardless of the age. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, that's I agree what, with you yes, totally. that's, that's what we believe. But in America it was total different. So this is what I imagine. I imagine that I will have a white class call a white collar job. I believe that you know I will be in college and I will have my own business, you know all of these things going on in my mind. but it was, but it was a dream that <laughs> hasn't yet been fulfilled.
0: <laughs> Do you consider yourself a dreamer? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, what was the reality? You got here. You were almost finished with school in Kenya. Did you get? Did you get to be a senior
1: um, in the United States um, um, and finish high school? Luckily, when I got here, I was um, 18, almost turning 19 years old. And I was able to to start my school uh, in high school. Um, then you know, going all over GED stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they let me to go and finish high school. Um, and um, they took me to junior class, so my I was nineteen when I went to Green West high school, okay as a junior student, uh, and all my classmen they, when they asked my when they asked me my age, they were all surprised, nineteen years old junior.
0: yeah,
1: and I'm sitting in a class with seventeen and sixteen years old.
0: <laughs> that must have felt a little bit
1: right, right, yeah, and I was sure. like. One of my friends was like, Dude, you're supposed to be in college. And I was like, Dude, why do you put limitation on my education? I can be anywhere.
0: (laughs) I love that you shot back with that response. That's perfect. Because in his worldview he's never known anything other than education that's very limiting to right, each age right. and you just opened his world view. I,
1: I did and he kept quiet he didn't good
0: for you <laughs> that's awesome um so after you graduated high school what did you hope to do
1: um so after I graduated my high school um I had a dream to be a journalist and then all of a sudden i changed my mind and i decided to be a a lawyer Mm -hmm. and um i really wanted to go to um a big university but um the grades that um the education curriculum is totally different from the educational curriculum kenya education curriculum Mm -hmm. so if you have um a grade of a in kenya you'll have a grade of b or c here it was mm. totally different right
0: man that's so, got to cause a lot of <coughs> hardship for absolutely. many people
1: so i went um and uh because of money i could not about you know for you to be in a big school you need to have uh, money for that or mm-hmm. you you are, you are If you are capable of paying, you know, the housing and all stuff. Mm -hmm. So I just decided to go to community college. Mm -hmm. um, And that's where I... I I think I stayed one year there. Mm -hmm. And then decided to apply to Colorado State University. Excellent. Because I felt like, you know... Because I always wanted to be in a four-year university. Mm -hmm. And then I applied to Colorado State University with a GPA of 3.4. Congratulations. And all of of a sudden, I got accepted. Yay!
0: Yeah, thank you. So you are going to go to Colorado State University, and you are going to be majoring in what?
1: Political Science and minors in Pre-Law.
0: Wow. You have some wonderful dreams. I do. I really can't wait to I, watch you achieve those dreams I
1: hope my dreams becomes valid in the near future
0: and I've read some of what you wrote when before you thought you wanted to be a journalist
1: right and
0: you've you've had some I wrote articles published in the Greeley Tribune Grey
1: Tribune. I did yeah. write before I go to college I did that uh, I wrote that article I co- I contributed that article to the to, to the Tribune right before I go to college hmm and you know I was shocked you know, I was mad about what's going on in the country, you know, students, you know, children getting shots, uh, getting shot in, in schools, you know. You
0: should be, we should all be mad about right.
1: that. Right, and you know, minority group, you know, getting mistreated mm-hmm. with their own people, you know, people mm-hmm. they live with, you know, I was shocked and I had to come and I had to speak up. You know, you, when you have a voice, like, I like what you're doing right now, because mm-hmm. you're trying to be a voice for the voiceless people. Yes. And that's what I believe personally. I decided to be a voice for those people who cannot stand up and talk. I know? am
0: so glad you right. did. Do you mind if I link to your article in our show notes so more people can oh, read it? sure. Of course. Excellent. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Immigrant and Refugee Center of Northern Colorado making Northern Colorado a home for all who live here. Whatever circumstances brought you to Northern Colorado, we are so glad you're here now. IRC NOCO is here to help you find your way. We want to be the doorway through which cross-cultural sharing and experiences occur. Whether you are new to this area or you are a part of the receiving community, we want to be your resource for information and services related to moving our community forward together. Through information sharing, dialogue, and events where we can all come together as one, we are investing into our shared prosperity. Empower. Connect. Advocate. Learn more at www.ircnoco.org. You not only are going to school, but you also have a full-time job
1: well, or a um, part-time job. Um, I used to work uh, at a beef plant, um, JBS, but I don't work there anymore okay. um, because of my own health. But since the, the outbreak of this pandemic, you mm. know, JBS was a hotspot for, for this pandemic. And then yes, all of a sudden was. I decided to, to stay at home. But recently, I got hired at Immigrant Refugee Center, um, Immigrant Refugee Center of Northern Colorado as a community navigator. I'm a Somali navigator there, and sometimes I help with um, Arabic and Swahili um, because I both speak those languages. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, and I mean, what
0: is the job of a navigator? What
1: do you do? Um, we usually translate documents, help clients, you know, fill out an you know, um, read, you know... Um, official letters you know letters from the government you mm-hmm. know um, right that's what we do for the clients
0: did you know that a job like that existed when mm-hmm. you moved here were you I, excited to find well, something never, like that
1: I never thought I never thought about it like I never thought I would be doing something like that. Yeah. Right until I finish my school, but.
0: Isn't it nice to be able to use what comes naturally and easy to you, your gift of languages? Absolutely. To help other right. people. Right. I think that's pretty awesome. It
1: is awesome. It is. I mean, and then you get interacted with people from the community, you know, then you grow and learn, you know, more things. Mm-hmm. Like I never knew how to file unemployment until lately. You know, the only thing that we cannot do is you know legal stuff. I would like to thank. Colin. Actually, Colin, I mean, Colin is the reason for, for where I am right now. Um, first time when I came to uh, IRC Noko, I met with Colin and his deputy um, advocate director, mm-hmm. um, and they really welcomed me. I mean, I really like and I love where I am right now. If it wouldn't, after God, if it wouldn't for Colin, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be there now. Wow. I really appreciate I mean, Colin took me from grass to grace, from zero to hero. Thank you, Colin.
0: That is awesome. I am so glad that you were able to give a shout out to Colin. Yes, he it. It's awesome when somebody brings you to a place that you never imagined you'd be before. It we is. all need people like that in our lives. What's mm-hmm. been the best part about living here and what's been the hardest part about living here?
1: The best part of living here is um, I got into a diverse diverse community. Mm. I met different people, I met Hispanic people, I met Americans, I mm-hmm. met, you know, people from Congo. Mm-hmm. Um, I mm-hmm. met from people almost, you know, I met people from all walks of life, okay. you know. Um, I loved about the diversity, you know, getting, you know, knowing to each other. That's what I, m- I liked most about here. Mm-hmm. And then what I liked here is, you know, it's a land of opportunity. You can if you do not, you know. If you can't raise food on the table, you have the opportunity to find a job.
0: Yes. Right. Was there not much opportunity in Kenya? In Kenya,
1: there was a lack of, you know, lack of, you know, um, opportunity. Mm-hmm. Right. There was an opportunity. There was unemployment. Lack of employment. Mm-hmm. So you will, you will, you will see, you know, um, a graduate, you know, someone who has PhD. You know, without job, literally can't put food on the table.
0: That's so disheartening.
1: Right, right. I mean, that's that's one thing you know I love about where I am right now. You know, everyone should be, should have you know the basic the basic need.
0: I agree with right. you. We should all get to start at the same place. It would right. be wonderful if we could. We're just two idealists sitting here uh, talking about <laughs> what would be wonderful absolutely. if everything was equal. Right. Imagine that.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> but it's funny, someone who has, I mean, someone who went to school, who graduated from, you know, universities, PhDs, staying at home without, you know, a job. I mean, it's, it's, it's very unfortunate, you know.
0: It's it is. I imagine that... That I creates mean, a lot of depression. Absolutely. It creates a lot of frustration. It does. Like, why try? Yeah. Why use all my gifts towards this PhD? Because I can't do anything. With
1: if I it. can do anything,
0: right? Ah, and, and then
1: you have spent, you know, your parents, you know, tried their level best, you know, to pay for your school fees. You can't pay back, you know. Mm. It's. I mean.
0: It's a heavy burden.
1: Right. Yeah. It's a heavy so, burden indeed.
0: Is there a hard part about living here? It sounds like you're very optimistic, so I am i don't think you might see any right. hard parts. I think you see everything through rose-colored glasses. Have you heard that expression?
1: <laughs> absolutely. Okay, good.
0: Um, you seem <laughs> but, to me to be a, a very rose-colored, every the glass is half full <laughs> all the time.
1: Is that true? I mean, absolutely, absolutely i mean the hardest part of living in the united states is that um my mom recently got um um knee surgery because she has been working at jbs for a long time since she got here um and she had a knee surgery um so um some time back my dad couldn't be able you know to feed all the kids you know mm-hmm. you know pay some certain bills you know and i had to help him um I started working in a full time job when I was high school, in junior year. And, you know, it was the hardest time, you know, in my life. You know, I had to come out from work at two in the morning, do my homework, and then get ready for school at seven in the morning. Oh, my God. That was God. the hardest part of my life.
0: I would say that's a hardship. Yes. Yeah. It was a hardship. That's not an easy way to live. And uh, not many people have to do that. Absolutely. But look, so, it. it's just made you stronger. It did. <laughs> Yeah,
1: it absolutely did. A hundred
0: percent. Since you've been in the U.S., have you ever experienced any racism or discrimination because of your religion or anything?
1: I will say no to that. I never felt that. Mm-hmm. Uh, may God forbid it. May not. It may not. I mean, I hope it doesn't happen. The it doesn't happen in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I would say there's a reason, but personally, I didn't feel any reason. Living I'm thankful here. to yeah. hear that. Yeah, right.
0: Do you have any thoughts on racism or discrimination that you'd like to share with us that um, you see that happens in the United States?
1: Well, um, there's a lot of race issue going in America. Currently, As we speak right away here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say, you know, We are civilized. We are more educated. We are not living the days of, you know, literacy, you know, we rule the country. Mm -hmm. We are more civilized, you know, we are educated people. We shouldn't, you know, I mean, we shouldn't have this, you know, differences based on race, you know, color, ethnicity, religion. I mean, we should all treat, you know, each other with with respect. Mm -hmm. Um one thing that you know these days brings differences political ideologies politics you know putting people apart you know yes. i mean political ideologies politics shouldn't you know bring in differences between us you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's i mean america should be like this american interviewing someone from africa mm-hmm. america should look like that yes you see um but you know when you believe you are you know Better than a certain race. This, I mean, we are all going to the same place. I mean. So, are you saying that it's just
0: a mentality and if we would change our mindset?
1: Absolutely.
0: Then maybe we could get along better?
1: 100%, that's what I'm saying.
0: Mm. Right. Yeah, I absolutely love meeting people from different cultures, from different religious backgrounds from different political ideologies because what you learn from others Mm -hmm. only helps to help you grow and it helps you to understand people better you're not telling me i have to do things your way you're just sharing your ideas with me right and it Mm -hmm. makes both of us better it makes me feel like you are taking the time to share yourself with me And it helps you feel that I'm taking the time to listen. Don't all of us just want to be heard?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, maybe that
0: would help eliminate some discrimination. Absolutely. It would. Mm.
1: Perfectly, it would.
0: Yeah. Well, in a perfect world, huh? Is there a famous proverb or saying from your country in your language that your grandmother or your parents would say to you on a regular basis growing up. And could you teach us that and what its meaning is?
1: Uh, a proverb? Yes. Um, so there's this um, one proverb. Um, it says in Swahili, it says, which literally means one finger does not break the lice. Like several sticks put... Um, um, how should I say this? Several maybe. sticks, like a bundle like of a sticks? Of sticks, yeah. And like,
0: that you would use
1: to to
0: f- like make a fire, fire or something? Absolutely. Oh, okay.
1: Yes. So they say chawa, one finger does not break.
0: Oh, one ice. finger does not break like all ice. those sticks. You no You have it's...
1: to use your five fingers to break it.
0: So what does this mean? Like how do you interpret it?
1: So if you are um you should all work in groups. Yes. Right. Yeah,
0: we're better together right. than we are alone.
1: You alone cannot do something.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that. Right. I like that. We're we are we're stronger together. Yes. Aren't right. We? That's what makes it hard with the pandemic. We can't be together very much, can we? It's <laughs> frustrating for me. Yes,
1: this proverb is actually <laughs> the pandemic is going against this proverb. You know, yes, it people is. People cannot be together. You know.
0: But that's a really wise saying that you can't, you can't ba- break a bundle of sticks right. with one finger. It, it takes one, it your takes whole, hand. Mm-hmm. whole hand.
1: Or two hands, actually. Right. With right? five fingers each. Yeah. Ten fingers. Ten fingers. A finger cannot break one. No, it
0: cannot. I wish we had more sayings like that here in the States. But the beauty of it is, because we have so many people who move here, mm-hmm that get to share with us all of their Proverbs. Now we have a lot more Proverbs to learn. It could
1: mean, you know, a certain group, you know, cannot do a thing. Like, let's say it's America alone lives in in America, but they will need the help of other people Mm -hmm. so that they unite together Mm -hmm. to act as a ten fingers Mm -hmm. so that they can break those Mm.
0: Don't you see that now happening with, like, a lot of the... Uh, peaceful protests right. against police brutality, against police, brutality and all of that.
1: police incompetence yes mm-hmm.
0: yeah I see that a lot of right. people from different backgrounds are coming together to right. work together in unity.
1: you see see right. it works oh, I, yeah. I really it. Yeah. like it the way the protest people coming you know as a unity mm-hmm. united you know fighting against certain policies certain laws, protesting against certain things, right?
0: Yes, it's a good thing.
1: Yes, we should be together.
0: You're right, we should be. What is the most important thing you would like people to know about you? Or do you have anything else special you would like to share, something that's on your heart that you want people to know?
1: Um, yes. Um, I would say if you confront of if you meet with someone who is facing the downs of the life as you know life has ups and downs all about integrating. If you meet someone who's facing the downs of the life, just like let's say uh as an example, you know, homeless. You know, homeless cannot have, you know, cannot raise food on the table, Mm -hmm. you know, he doesn't have an access to any job. Mm -hmm. Um I will say please meet with them, hug them, Mm -hmm. shake hands. Um, here's the funny things. One of the fine days, it was snowing. It was badly snowing. And I went to the McDonald's, uh, to grab, a uh, coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I met with this old guy, um, standing, um, in the parking lot. He was, uh, homeless. And, um, I talked to him and I was like, hey, let's walk in. Let's have drinks together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, uh, we sat down, we had a conversation all of a sudden the guy is a writer he was writing a book he was literally writing a book wow yes and he gave me a brief story about what he was writing a brief light about what he was writing and you know we uh, we exchanged uh, stories at each other it was worth of my time Mm -hmm. having time with a homeless um you know someone who literally goes out you know Mm -hmm. ask money from other people you know ask help from if he had um if he had any access to if he had access to any job he wouldn't be asking money Mm -hmm. so i would say do not despise or do not contempt people facing downs um please help them you know help them i mean i feel bad when you know it's snows so bad it's so cold out there Mm -hmm. you you have to literally to warm up your car so that you drive and someone else going outside without even a pike.
0: Yeah. I love your compassion, Idris.
1: Right. I I mean, We should help those people. I mean, it's not something, you know, they choose to do.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, they never wanted to find themselves in that situation.
0: Yes. Do you ever think that if I was in this bad of a situation, I would want someone to help
1: me. Right.
0: So yes. I'm going to reach yeah. out to
1: them. Yeah, absolutely. I can you know see that. Yeah, once you see such person, put yourself into his shoe. Put yourself into her shoe. Mm-hmm. Right? You will see, you know, a mother standing on the road, on the pavement of the road with her kid, you know?
0: Mm, that's hard to watch. It to feels to see. bad,
1: you know? You know? Oh, my God.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like that experience really affected you. Absolutely. Yeah. You have wisdom beyond your years. You really do. Um, okay, we've made it to the final three questions. Your closing questions. What is your best tip for making the world a better place?
1: I will say I will advise people um, to welcome all kind of you know people, despite you know their religion, their you know their own, uh, to welcome all kind you know cultures um never resist someone based on his you know skin his religion Mm -hmm. you know where Mm -hmm. he came from um let's you know live together um as one people you know um that's what i will advise them if they go together um they will success i mean they will succeed ahead they will Mm -hmm. all uh, succeed ahead yes you do that's what i believe
0: I believe it too good job <laughs> what are you the most thankful for
1: i'm thankful for my mother um bringing me here i believe if i would be there where i came from now mm-hmm. like i've mentioned earlier um lack of unemployment mm-hmm. really hurts mm-hmm. um I'm, I'm i'm thankful for my mom to bring me here so that i can have a quality education and a better future in the near future.
0: Yes, and education is such a key part it's of is isn't it?
1: Right. Is I mean, education is the key to success. Mm-hmm. Is the key to success.
0: And just having the opportunity right. for it is right. a big deal. It is. Um, I'm glad you're able to be thankful for your to your mother for that, even though she had to make some really tough sacrifices.
1: Yes, she did. In order she did
0: for that to happen huh
1: absolutely and i'm so thankful for my dad um for raising me up um i mean here's a here's one thing that i will um add to the to the to the podcast or the literature that we had Mm -hmm. um my dad never accepted you know Like, as I have told you earlier, I used to play sports, I used to play soccer, Mm -hmm. my dad never wanted me to involve, to involve in a fight in the field, Mm -hmm. um, like, if you do several times, he will actually resist you from going to the field, um, he never liked any, you know, what, one thing he taught me to be respectful to the elderly people, Mm -hmm. to the young people, all kind of people, I should respect all kind of people, that's one thing he taught me better.
0: That is some wonderful wisdom. Right. Yes, that's really good. That would keep you from fighting on the field, I imagine.
1: Absolutely, and then my, <laughs> even your opponent. Yeah, and my dad always believed in education. I mean, when I was in, I was, um, I was at a very young age. He took me to doxy. Mm-hmm. Um, he took me to school. Um, I wouldn't speak this. I wouldn't be here with you today if my dad wouldn't take me to school.
0: Wow. And what type of work did your dad do?
1: Um, he works at JBS. He does? Well, um,
0: in Kenya? What um, did he do?
1: He didn't have a job. He didn't. Ah,
0: uh, uh, that's why they wanted to move. Right. He didn't. <laughs> For the opportunity. Absolutely. Right?
1: He didn't have a job, my dad. Ah.
0: Uh. All right. Your last question. What is your favorite quote?
1: For you, picking is more peter than abstinence oil, and when it pays, sweeter than honey.
0: Okay patience is more bitter than absinthe you oil. can
1: google that um, absinthe okay
0: i will and when it pays is sweeter than honey right. wow
1: like how know, is this
0: how have you seen this in your life
1: oh so you know okay let's say someone has hit you with something but you want to punish that person but you observed some patience you know it's so hard to observe patience such mm-hmm. moments right mm-hmm. but when you practice the patience if you will have hit that person he, he might have died right mm. you will be in jail but you you actually observe some patience
0: so the lesson is in holding back your anger right. and actually practicing patience right. it's like a
1: discipline absolutely
0: and it's not always easy. It's not always to practice, easy to practice that. patience. <laughs> but it's the best thing. But the to
1: do. best. When it pays, it's always sweet.
0: That's right. Absolutely. And whenever you're impatient, mm-hmm. the price of that is very high.
1: The consequence is very high. Wow. Absolutely. That's a good
0: one. We can thank your dad for that.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: And what is your dad's it's, name?
1: Um Abdikadir Nur.
0: Abdikaria?
1: Abdikadir Nur.
0: Abdikadir Nur. Oh,
1: correct. You got it.
0: Thank you for that. Of course. Um,
1: he taught me a lot of, Proverbs. it's only that I didn't write. No. even up, even up to date, I always sit with him, you know, get some wisdom from him, you know,
0: mm-hmm. Try to learn
1: more. From. We learn a lot from elder people. Yes, you know. we do. They speak wisdom.
0: Yes, we do. Yeah, Did right. your dad, dad get to go to school through his um, entire? I
1: never been to school.
0: He's never been to school. Yes. Wow.
1: Mm. So yeah, yes, my dad is uh, an illiterate. He never been to school.
0: What he has learned through life, he's learned
1: through experience. Right. Everything that he has learned, he has learned through experience.
0: I heard a statistic some time ago saying that the Somali language was only written down in... The first time was in the 1970s, 1970s, 1975 or something?
1: I think think so. Is that true? Right. Even, you know, Somali history was never written down. You cannot find a book, you know... Mm -hmm. It's all oral. Historians usually collect, you know, different stories and put into words, you know, into as a book. Mm-hmm. But they didn't never wrote books, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so it's I... very
0: common in the Somali culture for most Somalis to be illiterate in their own language. Right. Yeah, that's been my experience right, with yeah. my students.
1: Absolutely.
0: But the ease and the speed with which Somalis have picked up. Mm-hmm or that they do pick up languages is shocking to me. They are such an oral culture that they are on the ball when it comes to learning a new language. Yeah. Maybe not writing it and reading it very well, but they can speak it very well.
1: Oh my Mm -hmm. God, absolutely.
0: Well, thank you Idris for being with me today.
1: Of course, it's my pleasure.
0: We could have talked for hours. Actually we did, but we only recorded a small sample of our time together. It was such a delight to get to know this wise young man and to listen to his perspectives on everything from politics to soccer and slavery to Martin Luther King, Jr. My most valuable lesson came, though, when Idris said he was most thankful for his mother. I was stunned. It was not the answer I was expecting. It was apparent that the absence of his mother in his life from the age of eight onward left a gaping void. Yet the paradox is that it also enabled the family to have greater upward mobility. I can't imagine how that sacrifice felt for his mother. Yet at that tender age, Idris already had eyes to see that out of something bad, something good could arise. He chose thankfulness for his mother's immense sacrifice. He didn't blame her because he knew it was for the greater good. He is passionate, teachable, wise, and eager to help and learn. It became quite apparent to me early on in our conversation that Idris truly lives as Rumi, the 13th century theologian, declares so poetically, live life as if everything is rigged in your favor. From his contagious smile, outgoing personality, alacrity to help where needed, ability to express himself and be a voice for the voiceless, and his immense gratitude for life, I am a better person for having met Idris and learned from how he lives his life. May we all choose to live as though life was rigged in our favor. Thank you for listening to Gramercy. Remember, there is no them, just us. See you down the road.